really we have to you know see board from a global perspective and the kind of world that we live in businesses are so global why not sport So welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, innovation, philanthropy, digital, a little bit of everything. I'm Joe Favorito, and I'm back here in the middle of June 2022 uh, in the midst of the Stanley Cup and NBA playoffs with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom. Hi, Joe. So nice to be with you again. It's been a few weeks since we've been together for a show, and I've missed it, um, although we do have our sidebar conversations about all the craziness that is the sports world right now. But yeah, great time to be a fan. I mean, especially for basketball and hockey fans or like Women's World Series of softball, like that's been kind of amazing. Um, probably one of the most ubiquitous sporting events on the worldwide leader, seemingly like the last month or so would you agree with that like it seems like every time you turned on espn there was a softball game going college softball figured out a way to spread itself far enough and wide enough and and distance itself from college baseball right um that worked out well there's there's especially now with espn plus there's more than enough streaming bandwidth for everyone who wants to come along so bring on parkour and whatever a freeze tag and everything else you want to throw yeah the long tail of content but joe let me ask you this this occurred to me uh over the last couple days watching some of the softball college softball and baseball what is the rule about in the ncaa about finishing your season when the academic year ends like i guess it's cool to continue after school's over so it's funny you have schools like Michigan, and I remember talking to somebody at Michigan. I can't remember who it was. I think he was a baseball player. And he said, because of the way the weather works out, Michigan baseball has like one home game before the students leave. And then they play for like another seven weeks. Now, yeah. there are some schools, but like some schools like the Pac-12 schools just finished this week. Here we are in the middle of June. So so it, it's kind of all over the place, but you keep playing and you basically have nothing else to do unless there's some kind of intercession class or you can take an online class, you know, and the baseball, we're here June 10th. I think baseball goes until June 26th. But my my pet peeve about college baseball is college baseball should be a fall sport. It should not be a sport. No, sport. No. So but anyway. But Joe, um, what happens to the seniors who graduate, let's say, early May or mid-May and then a month just later? just hang around and play baseball, you know. Okay. Or, 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 you know. I mean, it's kind of a finite group too, but uh, by the way, kudos to Columbia baseball. Yes. That was quite a story this spring. Yeah. Winning 18 in a row. The spirit of Lou Gehrig is alive and well in Morningside. (laughs) Maybe it's time to bring back a baseball diamond to the main quad of Columbia. What do you think of that idea? As it was once. Every time I think of that often when I go to the campus, it it is a pretty funny thought that there was a baseball field there. Anyway, before we get to our, um, Renowned guest. Our third, by the way, our third, I think she may be the first third time guest. I think so, but let's, let's just tease that for now. But I've got to ask you a more question about what's happening this week. So you and I have both, both been intrigued by the, the latest uh, controversy in the world of golf with the establishment of a competitive league to the PGA tour. Sometimes called, I'm not quite sure what everybody's calling this live golf, live golf. L-I-V golf. Do you know yeah. what you're, how you're supposed to refer to it? 
Well, the funniest thing is it's now on DAZN, which obviously everybody mispronounces right. all the time. Right. My so understanding is L-I-V. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand it's L-I-V. That's, that's what I was. Okay. Thinking. So here's my trivia question for you. Do you know what that is intended to connote? I, I have no idea. Or actually denote know. technically. Um, I do not. I just read this yesterday because I had no idea where they got this name from. Mm -hmm. L-I-V is the Roman numerals for 54. Right. Because it's a 54-hole three-day tournament. Wow. Three rounds of 18. 18 times Somebody three, I checked, is 54. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's like that's kind of too cute by half, in my opinion, because yeah. everybody's yeah. probably walking around having the same conversation. What do you call this thing right now? LIV, mm -hmm. live, live, 54. Yeah. So, look, the NFL co-opted uh, Roman numerals in, in the sports business, you know, 50-something years ago. Uh, and I think the other entities probably are wise to ignore it. But anyway, you wrote about it this week in your blog, Joe, just a couple of quick hot takes on it. What do you think? Um, I think at the end of the day, if the best golfers show up, people watch. I don't think anybody cares about any of the other stuff. I think Saudi involvement. Yeah, there's some people, maybe some brands I've seen have kind of distanced themselves. I don't think the consumer cares at all. Ari Fleischer gets up and embarrasses some AP guy and is acting kind of like a jerk. I yeah. think they want him to be a jerk. I think that's right. what they want. I think that's part of the be, brand, right? It's almost like part it's of the part brand. Of the brand. They want to be yeah. tough, disruptive. Everybody wears black. You know, at the end of the day, as you texted me yesterday, I'm sitting here watching golf. It's golf. They're hitting <laughs> right. the golf ball. It's I, going down. I tune, in, I tune into the live stream with this expectation yeah. that it was going to be some hot, new, interesting presentation of the sport. Yeah. And after, and I, I kept up the stream on for a while as I was working and I kept looking and yeah. watching it going, okay, other than the leaderboard, which was utterly yeah. confusing, the, right. the the ubiquitous uh, leaderboard that they left on the left side. Uh, it's like, wait, this is just like watching golf. It's yeah. really different. So, as as um, somebody, actually with Scott, Roger said to me yesterday, you know, the PGA Tour is to blame for some of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, okay, they suspended these guys if there's some kind of merger or if the money gets high enough, they'll say, oh, come on back. You know, we need you. Now, the big question is, what will the majors do? Which yeah. the majors are owned by mm -hmm. the biggest players in golf, you know, organizations in golf. If the majors come along and say, you can play in LIV, you don't have to play in the PGA Tour, and you could play ours, I think the PGA Tour has got a big problem. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with and, you. And did, and it's all did, it's all everybody's lawyering up now. It's everybody's going right. to lawyer up. And plus, Joe, did you see the thing? I think Axios did the other day about how they they went down the roster of players who yep. have de essentially defected, at least for now. Yep. Now on a suspension list, by the way, which was announced yesterday. Right. Um, and and they by I don't know what metric they were using, like some sort of Q rating. Like, mm. and I might be getting the number wrong, but like six or seven out of the t 15 most popular golfers they, in the world have defected. That's, yeah. that's an issue. They get a few more big names to your point. And by the way, as I said to in a conversation with some friends yesterday, leaving aside the, the moral, political, geopolitical concerns about what's going on with this thing, if if you look at it just from a business opportunity standpoint, it's a much better deal for the players because as you well know, and a lot of people don't realize this, golfers are independent contractors who don't make any money when they go to these tournaments weekend and it costs a small fortune 
to yep. to go around the world or at least the country with your with your group of coaches and trainers and and uh, helpers and things like that. And you, if you can make, if you don't make the cut and play the weekend, you're walking away with nothing. I mean, obviously you're making money from sponsorship, but still, that's not what these guys want to do. If you are guaranteed lots of money, you're guaranteed to quote play the weekends because there's no cut. It's only three days of the week. Hmm, sounds pretty intriguing. And ironically, a bunch of the tournaments are in the U.S. I think more yeah. than half, technically, of the two, season. I think two are at Trump Golf Courses, as a matter of fact. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the next yeah. one, I think, is in uh, uh, Pumpkin Ridge, like Oregon, maybe, or yeah. something. Anyway, it's a really interesting you thing know, to watch. But there's been, it's been a long time since one of our major sports entities has been so aggressively disrupted, I would say. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think the NFL is sitting up worrying about the USFL. No, they're not. <laughs> no. Uh, as they announced um, yesterday, they broke for the first time in history $2 billion of annual sponsorship sales, yeah. which is a stunning yeah. thing to think yeah. about. Uh, and, anyway. You know, yeah. the, last, the last point as we get to our guest is, um, you know, the high horse of Saudi involvement and where this money is coming from. Well, it's amazing to see how many industry hierarchies the hierarchy of industry people in sports business have kind of stayed out of it because you want to talk to me about Chinese investment. You want to talk about, you know, investment, you know, you want to talk oligarchs buying premier league teams. I mean, let's, now, let's you're let's absolutely right. And, and right. And there, there's, there's, there's a lot to study in, in, in that particular uh, area of the business yeah. that uh, has been mostly avoided in the discussion mm -hmm. around LIV yeah. or live or live or 54, yeah. whatever. Billionaires in glass houses shouldn't be throwing stones yes. or golf balls. That's a good way to end anyway. this segment. Yeah. So moving on to um, a more genteel world, I guess, and one that is based in trying to help the next generation of athletes be successful and go on to careers and giving, um, the next generation of female athletes or young women, the opportunity to learn about sport and be involved with sport is what our next guest, our third time guest is, one of the original guests. Actually, we had to do it twice, if you remember, because we <laughs> lost the audio the first time we did it, right. uh, is joining us today. And she, we were lucky enough to have her in New York this week. I saw her this week at a uh, Beat the Streets Wrestling event that our one of our former students, Brendan Buckley, hosts. Um, but Neha Agarwal, welcome back to the U.S. for the first time in several years, but also welcome back to the Cusp Show. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Tom. It's uh, so wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to come back to New York City after two and a half years and uh, always great to see both of you. Absolutely. I'm going to jump in with the first question, Neha, because it's now I didn't realize that your time at your current uh, employer, Olympic Gold Quest, has it's been four years, which kind of blows my mind. It feels like yesterday we were we were hanging out on the Columbia campus with you when you were a student. Uh, but four years, so tell give give us an update on how things are going. Obviously, you've put your heart and soul into this for a, a bunch of years now. Are you happy with the progress? Are you are you seeing what you want to see? Are you feeling good about it at all? Wait, wait, wait. Before we do that, give us the thirty seconds who Neha is, because people may be listening, may not have heard to the other two, and what you're doing, because 
that all oh, yeah. ties. Well, I, we just assume everybody knows who Nay is. <laughs> we probably should pause and form or formally let her introduce herself. But yeah, yeah, I would, would I wouldn't have loved uh, if every, if you know everybody had known me and I, I didn't oh. have to do introductions. But oh. yeah, uh, you're so like I, you're like Beyonce or or Madonna or Sherry, like right. the one the one name celebrity Neha. Neha. Like, we, we we all know that. Yeah, yeah. No, you guys are kind. Uh, yeah. So uh, I I'm from India. I used to play table tennis uh, on the Indian national team. I represented India at the Beijing Olympics in uh, 2008, and uh, played until 2014 Asian Games. After which I took my retirement and uh, had a wonderful transition at the Columbia University Sports Management Program in the fall of 2015. So graduated in 2016. 16, worked at the United States Olympic Committee as an intern, worked at the International Table Tennis Federation, and moved back to India uh, to follow my dream of helping, um, you know, the next generation of Indian athletes train better. Uh, and I was pretty sure what I want to do, where I want to work, and it's at um, a non-for-profit organization called Olympic Gold Quest, where our mission is to ensure our athletes are well prepared to be able to compete at the Olympic Games and win more medals uh, for India. And uh, I, my role at uh, OGQ Olympic Gold Quest is uh, I head partnerships and communication, which essentially is uh, bringing in all the funding uh, that we get because we're a not-for-profit organization. We don't take any uh, government funding. We work very closely with the Indian government, but don't take uh, uh, you know any funding from them. So yeah, and that's also one of the reasons why I'm here in in New York is to um, you know maybe see if the India in diaspora is is interested. This the culture of giving is fantastic in in the U.S. and uh, if we can have more and more Indians globally um, support sport, I think uh, that'll be wonderful because. Um, you know, when your national, you know, when or you're on the podium and, you know, the national anthem plays and, you know, your your country's flag goes up. I think it's not just an athlete that you're proud of or your team. I think it inspires um, a billion people. It gives them hope. And um, we're such a large nation, but very few Olympic medals. So, yeah, that's what we do. That's what our dream is. I want to ins inspire a billion people. Now, there's a lofty goal. Right. So, I mean, think about that. So more. Yeah, uh, that's that's amazing. I mean, so you have to dream big. Right. And uh, I think it is doable. I think we all know as sports professionals that more than anything else, sport brings all of us together. We saw that, you know, in the last two years as well. Um, the Olympics was such a great binding force. So I, I really do believe in the power of sport to inspire, to change people's lives minded. And that's why I'm a firm believer. All right, back to the question that I asked prematurely. <laughs> uh, so it's been four years. How how are you assessing your progress over that time? Yeah, I think uh, I mean as a as a professional, I really have grown. Uh, when I uh, when I joined the organization, I was I was still raw. I was I think I was confident, but I still had to learn a lot of new ways that I I just didn't didn't have uh, because I was an athlete, um, you know, until twenty five, and that's all I did. And to but to be working in sports and uh, to be um, you know, working so closely with athletes to be working with so closely with um, Indian, um, you know, the the entrepreneurs, the the corporates, and uh, really 
working in a you know in a non in all encompassing uh, sort of scenario where you're connected to everyone it it takes different skill sets so i think um, i've learned a lot uh, fundraising is really hard because uh, back in india there are a lot of different causes to support uh, right there's health education poverty women's welfare and what not and uh, donating towards sport is is i think it's a very passion based uh, decision rather than a rational decision so you're really competing against uh, more pressing problems that that the reality of india is and thus it's very challenging um it's it's wonderful to be working and i think our team is fantastic it's wonderful to be working with uh, people who are having the same passion as you do we also work with the indian government um other private entities so it's a lot 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 going on i think um, every year is a new challenge um you know you learn you grow and uh, yeah i'm i'm loving it it's uh, it's uh, at the end of the day because you know uh the dream is that uh the mistakes that happened during our career when i was an active athlete is is not repeated now in the next generation of indian athletes we we are very talented we we have the potential but what we don't have is the right support and i think every single day when i wake up it's um it's you know i don't get monday blues i don't feel my job is a job because it's it's a dream it's a passion that you're working towards so there are barriers but you just overcome because you love what you do so have you seen some success from uh when it when it all started a while back to where you are now in terms of on field on court etc progress with with the athletes you're you're behind absolutely so if you see the progress of india in uh, the olympics uh, uh, the, the tokyo olympics that ended it was our first uh, sorry our best ever performance we won seven medals uh, one of which was in team sport in in hockey the the others were in uh, the six other medals were in individual sports and uh, four of those seven medal winners were supported by us um, at the tokyo paralympics um india won 19 medals first time we entered double digits uh and 10 of those 19 medal winners uh you know their entire training was looked after by ogq uh we had a couple of fourth place finishes as well um uh, you know sports like archery and shooting were slightly uh, you know a bit disappointing but the others did well and uh, i think uh, as a country india is only uh, progressing in the last 5 years uh, the structures the funding that's coming in the expertise that's coming in i think uh, we're we're just we're, we're getting there and i'm i'm really hopeful you know in in paris we will improve we should win medals in double digits and uh, you know we'll we'll only get better so we've come a long way is what i would say um neha touch on um especially for those who may not know the difference between the way OGQ works and and where that those dollars go and then an organization like the US Olympic Committee and how is that different because you spent some time with at the USOC um what's the structural and business differences between what you're doing now and what an organization like the USOC would do 
Yeah, yeah. So see, the USOC and I think the USOPC now, uh, they are a not-for-profit organization as well. Um, In the Olympic and Paralympic world, in the US, uh, they don't get any money from the federal government. All the money that the USOPC raises is through sponsorship, and they're doing fantastic uh they have the model of supporting the various ngbs national governing bodies of the various sports and you know they they are the ones who are the sole decision maker and funding uh provider for these ngbs to operate uh while in india the difference the bigger difference is that government is the biggest stakeholder they are the ones who are actually giving the maximum amount of money uh, to our athletes so we have uh, a government arm which is called the sports authority of india and uh, you know we have the national sports federations which is the parallel of ngbs in the us um but we all work in a collaborative environment in terms of supporting the athlete. Uh, how OGQ fits in is that uh, we are actually able to provide um, expertise that the government might not be able to really get in. So we're able to provide the best physiotherapists, the nutritionists, you know, the coaches, the the fitness trainers to, to our athletes. And the government also understands and realizes the importance. So it's a collaborative effort. What we do is we work very closely, but we just don't take government funding. So the 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 way we work is the 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 structure to support um, Olympic and Paralympic athletes is very different than what in the US is. And uh, um, you know, there, there are a lot of stakeholders in India. Uh, it, it makes it uh, a bit complicated because everyone has to work together. So that's a challenge versus at the United States um, Olympic and Paralympic Committee is that the NGBs and then the, the athletes themselves are, are the stakeholders. So it's, it's more straightforward that way. Hey, one thing I want to point out, uh, you told me this the other day and I'd forgotten about it, but it's worth repeating. When you were on the Olympic team, can you talk about the lack of support and like the uniform and everything else and where that has evolved to in just a short period of time with, you know, your organization helping kind of lead that way? Yeah, so it's it's just funny when I when I recall, um, you know, we were just so not prepared that at the 2008 Olympics, um, you know, I didn't have the playing jersey, um, you know, that that you have you have to have right. There are certain rules regarding your jersey. You have to have the uh, initials of your uh, country, three three letter initials. So for India, I and D. And then you have to have your name and uh, the initial of your surname or vice versa, whatever you want. So we didn't have that. And I was at the Olympic Village. Um, you know, I, I went to the training uh, first or the second day. I was fortunate that I came in early. And, you know, my my other, uh, you know, colleague, he's, he's like, let's just go check if the T-shirt that we have is right. And they said, no, that's not what you can wear. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I had to actually ship, um, you know, and, and you're talking about 2008. I didn't have a cell phone at that time. 
um you know i, I barely used to check my emails you know we're, we're making calls hey is anyone coming to beijing i need my t-shirt to play my match here i am representing india <laughs> the only one only 18 i need my t-shirt could you please send it and the other you know funny thing after that what happened was that when when um, you know my my supporter at that time they sent the t-shirt there are rules regarding branding at the olympic games only the <laughs> olympic um, uh, sponsors are can advertise right wow. so your own uh, you you cannot have your own sponsor you cannot uh, have their logo on your jersey so mine sent like their logo all over the jersey and i had to put like tapes all over me so it, it was just so shabby it was so chaotic and, and and you know what does that mean right in the larger sense that when i went to the olympics really i mean i went there to take part i was happy that i participated but that's not who we are right as a country we need to be better prepared and we need to go there to win medals and i think that's the biggest difference that's happened in the last say 12 odd years since i've uh, uh, you know played at the olympics is that now we're talking of winning medals we are much better prepared when our athletes go they go with confidence they go with dignity you know they their 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 the physical fitness is at the highest you know they have the ability to win medals and seriously challenge uh, to to winning an olympic medal and that is what really just makes me sleep well um you know at night and uh, i mean yeah it's it's good to do that every day and uh, see that dream every day neha it feels like we're witnessing the the redefinition of athlete support shifting beyond physical related to training fitness nutrition etc to to the physical plus the mental and the realization particularly in light of what's happened the last few years with very notable athletes like Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka and many others that this was largely ignored in the world of sports writ large particularly at the Olympics where a lot of these athletes from all countries toil in isolation as you did for years at, with no one necessarily helping you on the mental side talk about that from two perspectives number one your experience going back to when you were a competitive athlete who was good enough to make an olympic team from a, from a very large country which is very impressive um and to what you're doing now in your current role or your organization to actually remedy that yeah um it's it's a great point you touch on and um um you you know uh, sport is it's um it's i think i would say it's unforgiving in many ways you know as athletes you need to live the life of a monk you have to have sole focus on what you have to do every single day what that also mean is that you a you live in a bubble you don't know what's happening around all you do is wake eat train sleep and do that and you do that day in day out for that one goal right which is to go win a medal for india or or for your country at the olympics now think about that right at the end of the day you might be the best player in the world but at that particular day if your opponent was just better than you 
years of hard work gone in the drain when the pandemic hit right so many of our athletes were on their they were just ready to go perform and go win medal right and then that goal was taken away suddenly they said oh, there are no olympic games going to happen right and what does that do to you to your your mental uh, um uh, you know state of mind um post olympic uh blues or you would have heard many of the successful medal winners talk about that they don't know what to do with their lives after the olympics um what do athletes do after they retire not many i mean in the us actually the system is so great it's able to absorb athletes back into the system but in india it's very hard to survive a life after retirement because you don't study you don't know how to pay your bills you 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 know you don't know how to pay your tax and things like that and what do you do if you're not an athlete and that really takes a toll on 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 you mentally um i mean for me personally when i came back from the olympics uh the the next three years was really hard i lost my form really bad and it it took me 3 years to make a comeback and uh, i've i mean i i i can say this now i um i went through a lot of depression at that time and so much so that i actually attempted to harm myself and so for me mental health is very very personal and uh, i'm so glad that now uh, you know at 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 our organization uh we're really able to support athletes by giving them uh access to sports psychologist now that's another challenge that in india there just are very few good sports psychologists because firstly psychology is treated as a taboo right only if you have a problem you go and seek a psychologist and if as, as an athlete you say that you have an issue that means you you know you're you're not the best right it's there's still such there's some weakness yeah or something yeah, yeah it's a weakness um also you can use psychology for you know enhancement of performance right um but there is still so much baggage regarding this it's a challenge it's hard to find good psychologists but at least with the athletes that we work with uh, we're able to give them access you know they they confined in us um and uh, we're really able to get them out of whatever they are going through and maybe even foresee things and also now then go a step further and talk about performance enhancement as well so to me it's personally very very satisfying that we're able to do this but we have to do a lot more right like we currently support 260 athletes so that's the number that we are working with right but there are so many more at the grassroots at the mid level many more sports right uh, it's still coming up people i think athletes coaches authorities are now understanding that the need for sports psychology um but but i would still say that there's so much more work to do in 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 this field and globally globally are are most of the athletes taking advantage of the resources you're providing them 
I mean, obviously it's optional because you don't know what's in a, an individual's head. You can you can look at them physically, how they're training and what they're eating and things like that, but mentally you never really know. So I'm curious if the majority of them are actually stepping up and saying, hey, I could use some help. Or do you keep that anonymous? Because I know that's an issue on team sports, like in the U.S. Yeah, There's no one's concern that's about keeping it, keeping it confidential for obvious reasons, too, because you don't want to show any weakness. Yeah, yeah. no, that's an excellent point. And that's also a big challenge. Uh, I think firstly, for athletes to realize that they need help. I think most of the time, and especially women, they just don't know that they're going through something and it can be solved by just seeking help. Uh, That's because of lack of awareness. But once they do, um, it's hard to impose psychology on, on athletes because the rule, the first rule is acceptance. Only if you want help, you can provide, you can be provided help, right? So mm-hmm. it has to come from the athlete. We can give them the cues. We can give them the, um, you know, the avenue that, hey, maybe you're going through something. You want to, um, you know, seek, seek help. Uh, but it really has to come from them. So I, that, that's why it's, it's a challenge. And I feel it's a factor of how much awareness is there, um, you know, around you that it's acceptable. Uh, we don't do team sports. We don't work uh, with athletes in team sports. But even with individual sports, you have to keep it anonymous because, like I said, going to a psychologist seeking help is always considered as weakness. Uh, but I am very, very convinced that it's actually a strength uh, you know, a sign of strength. If you can accept, you need it, work on it, and you know, you you get better. So there's a lot of perception um, uh, that needs to change, and that's slow, right? It it takes years and years to make that change, and yeah, yeah. Um, mental health obviously a big issue that we've talked about. Women's sports very important to you, obviously. Did you carry the flag in the Olympics, by the way? No, I thought you did. Never mind. So no. anyway, yeah, um, we but, had it. Like, the team had it, so we would yeah. like take it, just uh, borrow from each it. other, but not like my own. <laughs> um, but um, talk about you know you were literally our pioneer in, in women's sports in India. Um, a lot of firsts. How has that evolved? And then now, as you look at the WNBA, the NWSL, the PHF. Um, the the Champions League and, and La Liga with, with women elite athletes. How is that evolving and why is it important on the grassroots level in India? And then how has that been champion, has it started to champion up to the professional levels in terms of opportunities for women in India? Yeah, I think uh, we have progressed a lot. Um, our, uh, the good news is that our major medal winners have been women. So I find it so contradictory that although we live in a patriarchal society and, you know, parents at a young age don't want their daughters to play sport, but on the other hand, it's our women athletes who won major medals. So out of the four, um, uh, you know, athletes who won medals supported by us, three of them were women. And when women go and win medals, I think uh, it's, it's, anyway an inspirational story um so what i would say is that uh, 
like i said we've come a long way uh, i think we are uh, the the girls access to a uh, sport for girls in india it's improving you know we're we're on 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 a very positive track i would say uh back in the day when i was playing say when i was 7 8 year old old right i mean the bigger question was ki oh why is your daughter wearing shorts and going out in the sun and playing sport and she will get tanned and she will look manly and sport is not what women do and how will she get married you know that was always the question is she getting good grades that was always the question the question was how will you adjust in your um, you know life after after marriage because you've been an athlete and you've traveled all over and that's not nice you know from there to now the the perception now is that yes if you know we now have medal winners who are uh role models in 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 india so for example mc medicom who's the uh, uh bronze medalist from the london 2012 games in boxing uh pv sindhu she's a two time olympic medal winner in badminton they are now really transforming the vision and perception of women in sport the only you know catch is that uh, we're just so many people and uh it's it's hard to really change minds of you know 1.35 billion people right mm-hmm. so we need many more such role models we need many more such girls to be better supported and 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 you know that's why i'm a firm believer that you know what we do is 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 good because if we can get many more of our girls to win more medals it inspires the others right and i've now that i'm i'm you know working with athletes and supporting them i see that if the women are uh, you know given support they actually perform better than the men because they're already such fighters in india they go through so much shit already that once they get the support they make the most out of it so to your question i the answer is that the it's changing we are you know in 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 a fantastic era where you know at least in the urban cities you know parents want their girls to go pick up sport uh we but still have a lot lot more work to do uh because just the number of people we are Right. So Neha, are, are you seeing statistically an increase in sports participation among girls? And if so, what what sports are most are the most popular participatory sports right now for girls, especially? Yeah, there's a lot of increase in participation and at various level, not only at the elite Olympic level, but also at the national, at the state, at the district levels. Uh, the major sports that, you know, we see interest in is badminton because we've had, you know, medal winners. So now um, in say, for example, in my city in Hyderabad, where I now live, um, you know, there, there are over when we eight years, 10 years back, there were about, 40 50 badminton courts in in my city and now there are over 700 badminton courts wow. in the city and every wow. other girl you go um you know meet and talk and she wants to 
play badminton and become pv sindhu so uh, you know badminton is a sport boxing has really taken up because again because of success of uh, a female boxer the northeast in india is is really uh, uh, you know is really good in boxing so a lot of participation from there wrestling is a sport in which again we've won medals in uh in 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 the olympics and you know the north belt is very very strong lot of girls now you know picking up wrestling as a sport yeah um, i would say kabaddi is is also something which uh, because of the kabaddi league uh you know got really famous and and we had like i would see on the streets you know people playing kabaddi both men women and you know that increased popularity um a uh, lot of uh, also football uh, you know because it's it's a team sport many many schools and colleges offer uh, team sports like uh, ba- basketball and and uh, soccer sorry so a uh, lot of participation in that as well a lot of grassroots level work happening in soccer in india which is helping in increase participation so various sports it's just that it's in different region and different right. pockets what sport is famous uh but definitely increase in the number of uh, participation of women a quick follow up on the side of um watching and paying attention fandom how would you characterize in general the indian interest in the leading american sports right now like we have a sense that the nba is for example is really popular in china we've heard that a zillion times and they sometimes say joe like Oh, the NBA says they have a billion fans in China or something like that. What what's what's hot right now? If you had a, a an up and tr- up and down trend line for the major US sports, what's going on? Well, the bad news is that cricket is still the biggest, uh, you know, the sport and people love watching that, love spending their time on right. that. And, um, you know, so cricket still um occupies uh, that position. um in terms of the us sports what i see is maybe the nba it it does and also with the time difference you know we can like wake up in the morning and watch it so it's not the most convenient that's another uh, you know right. difference but i mean no sorry but like nobody watches baseball or or nobody watches right. nobody watch yeah same thing here it's going to say something the two countries have in common <laughs> nobody watches those two what sports. what about nfl i'll just before you answer i'll just share a memory that i think i've shared with both of you from columbia um an indian student who came to the program whom i believe you know arjun singh um yeah. wonderful guy and i remember him telling me when in the class we were talking about video games he said he had never seen an nfl game but actually knew a lot about it when when he was young i should say and before he came to the us because he was an avid player with his friends of Madden video games and that's how he was exposed to and learned about football although he had never actually watched games <laughs> which i thought was a really interesting point um so so what about the NFL because they so dominate by most key metrics in the US and there's a we we ask this question a lot in the business how is this actual how is the exportation of the NFL working in the largest countries India being i believe second you know past China what what say none really? none okay none. that's kind of a big thing joe <laughs> I mean, yeah yeah and that's the reality i mean i uh, 
really we have to you know see sport from a global perspective and the kind of world that we live in businesses are so global why not sport and you you that's the reality right uh, uh, american football is is not something indians would watch we don't even understand the rules i mean i was there in the us for close to 2 years i couldn't understand rule like even 5% of it and it's Well, it's right, back, right back at you on the cricket on the cricket rule yeah. question because I think any of us understand cricket here. Yeah, so. yeah. So you know, I think uh, cross. Uh, I think breaking borders is something which is happening. It's there. It's happening in the Olympic world, which is not able to monetize, and the the sports that are actually able to do that. are very very focused in their specific countries is 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 my sense mm. and i don't know what it means for you know the the business side of sport because then again we we're, we're all doing our own things but really globally it's 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 something which we are not able to spread so even say cricket there may be like 15 16 countries that actually play cricket right and it's mm. it's not a famous sport worldwide like you right. rightly said you don't understand the the rules because it's not played there right um so uh, you know in terms of back to american sports i think uh, it it could be yes i i do see a bit of uh, nba fan following a lot of following on soccer especially in the european leagues right, right? right. a lot of following um <laughs> also investing a lot in the soccer league so you know that way at least we see similarities uh with europe um not not as much with msl uh mm-hmm. unfortunately uh then what in terms of um yeah i think i think that's about it tennis is something which is uh, also widely followed uh and mm-hmm. yeah tennis is a great example right which is played all across right us open does it fantastic and we all watch us open back back in india uh so maybe tennis is one of the few sports which is global but mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh building a fan base or probably having some indian athlete in in uh, nfl or the nba would be still a distant dream Cool. Hey, uh last question from me because it is a hot topic here and will continue to be. And I I don't remember India sport coming up in a lot of conversations as gambling. Um do you have a feel for gambling in India? Will it ever be accepted legally, of course? Um and do you think that will help um especially not just the participation but the funding from your standpoint, you know, if 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 gambling suddenly becomes legal? well look it's happening right mm. it it exists it exists at a very high level i don't think as a country we are yet ready to legalize it um i don't think uh, we are at that stage to foresee it as a in a positive way and 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 again this is my perception and my understanding of what it is it's still considered something which is not nice to do and why is that because 
of the uh, the lack in the number of leagues and the sports and the fans that are out there who really want to invest their personal money into into this right so uh, because we're still emerging uh, as as uh, as a sport business ecosystem it's only in cricket is what it happens and uh, it's it's not seen at in in a in a positive light so there's a lot of banter around legalizing it for sure there's a lot of money it's going to do wonders for the industry but i don't think india is ready for that as yet great all right my last question joe is um about neha's career mm-hmm. so you've done some really interesting public speaking including a couple of tedx talks i don't know how many exactly yeah. at least two or three i suppose uh, you've been a broadcaster for ESPN. You've obviously done other things in social media that we're aware of. You're very good in front of the camera, in front of an audience. You're 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 just a, a, a gifted speaker. Do you see doing more of that as you get get on in years and uh, build your career? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, why not? And uh, and you must because I think if you have responsibility if you have the power to inspire to spread the message um you must use it well um i i i believe in a lot in 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 your power to bring about a change and i'm not being gandhi here but but really bring about a change and i'm seeing things right and that's why i i take up whatever opportunity comes my way learned a lot from all of you all at columbia to to do that right to hustle and to to do that but um if you're a voice even if you can inspire you know a few young kids around yourself who are, who are listening to you i think your life is worth uh worth that so i'm definitely gonna take more more of that whatever comes my way and uh, now social media is so big that you can reach out to many more people so need a need a better planning probably but um yeah i mean thanks for the compliment though well, <laughs> i haven't heard welcome. that since so <laughs> cool well i remember I, I mean when we first met you that your story was so impressive and when when i watched the tedx talk i was like wow that's kind of amazing uh you were just so poised uh, about it all and that's hard it's hard for all people um it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do especially when you're younger and um, some people just happen to be naturally uh, good at it. And I think you're one of them. So, yeah, no, I don't I don't think I was naturally good at either playing table tennis. I don't think I was talented or at speaking. I just feel you should what what I what what I feel I just, you know, do better is uh, just speak up, speak up yeah. your mind, speak up. Don't don't uh, hesitate. Don't feel that oh who's going to say this or that or my career is going to go to an end if i say this or that but just voice your opinion i think that's very important because many women especially they hold back and we need mm-hmm. many people to speak up uh, so i just do that well don't hold back it's always been an ins- an inspirational moment half hour day whenever we get to spend time with you and we're lucky to have had you around and and I, I think I can speak for Tom and LJ and Scott and everybody else. You know, we're fans and continue to support you in any way we can and can't wait to see where this is going to come out. But, you know, last thing is how can people follow and engage Neha? Where, where should people be looking on social um, to learn more? And, you know, who knows, maybe even contribute a little bit more. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm active on Twitter, Instagram. So you can follow me on uh, my Twitter handle. That's at Neha Agarwal, A-G-G-A-R-W-A-L, because that's a very common name in India and people just don't, uh, people use the wrong spelling. <laughs> so uh, that and uh, yeah, if, uh, I think more than anything else, follow Indian sport. I think we're doing fantastic support Indian sport support sports in general and if you're um you know you're listening to this i think uh, um give your girls the opportunity to play you know mm-hmm. you'll find girls all across it could be your sister it could be your daughter it could be your coworker or whoever go let them play and it's 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 sport is fantastic especially for women to do that i got to tell everybody to at least check out Neha on Twitter because one of the really great things about her Twitter uh, handle or, or account is that she's got a great uh, pic- picture at the top of the, of the account. It's Neha. I'm just looking at it, reminding myself right now. I believe that's your Olympic uh, jersey or not jersey, but the actual uh, uh, jacket as you have your arms spread holding the Indian flag. That That's Joe, that's a lot better than my background photo or your, your photo or anybody yeah. else I've ever met. So uh, that's, a, that's a good, uh, that's a wonderful shot, by the way. It's, it's no, no, thank you. I hold the flag with a lot of pride. And uh, like I said, that's the dream. And that's why that's on my Twitter uh, uh, profile. And that's from the Asian Games in 2014. By oh, that is. Olympics. Okay. So it's not officially an Olympic photo. Sorry. Yeah. But, but because at that time we got better and we had a good jacket. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I have a photo. <laughs> That's good. See, in this day and age, if she was in the Olympic Village, she just would have gone online and called up Fanatics and just ordered her Olympic shirt. It would have been yeah. the 24 hours. So. Or less than that with the, the new delivery yeah. of options we yeah. have now for merchandise. Cool. Well, Neha uh, Agarwal, thanks once again for being the first non-faculty member, because I guess Scott's done more than three. Three-time member of the CUSP show over the last five and a half years. It's been amazing to see where you were, what you got to, and where you're going. Uh, you inspire us all, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Yeah, thank you, Neha. Really so, so good to see you and hear from you, and congrats on the success you've had with Olympic Gold Quest, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's always uh, great to uh, talk to you all. Colombia has been so, so close to my heart. And that was the best year ever in, in, in my life till now. So I hold that with a lot of high regard. So thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, all the best. And uh, look forward to meeting you all in person uh, also soon. Great. Cool. So uh, once again, you've been listening to The Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson. Our producers, Sam Connor, on today. Um, Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you down the road. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.